You're listening to the Detroit Worldwide Podcast, where we highlight the stories of Native Detroiters that are doing great things in their community and using their impact across the globe. I'm Marquise Taylor. Welcome to the D. What up, though? Welcome to another installment of the Detroit Worldwide Podcast. I am Marquise Taylor. And on this week's edition of the podcast, we are honoring dynamic women in the field of art, sports, and entertainment. Kicking things off for us this week is Miss Sankaya Hall, who is coming to us live from Orlando, Florida. In this episode, you're going to learn about Sankaya's rise in the entertainment industry, where she has worked for a variety of companies, including BET, TV One, Google, and most recently, the NFL, where she currently works with the New York Giants as a member of their production staff. Like our previous episodes, where we spotlighted our Morehouse men, Sankaya is a proud HBCU graduate and is a product of Texas Southern University, where she completed her bachelor's degree in speech communication. We love our HBCU graduates here on Detroit Worldwide, so it's only fitting that Sankaya joins our lineage of guests that we've had on the podcast. Sankaya is a Jill of all trades and has blazed a trail for herself in a variety of fields. Her success knows no boundaries, so it's only right that we set Women's History Month off proper by featuring her story. Now, all of that being said, you have heard enough from me. So why don't we dive into the discussion that I had with the one and only Sankaya Hall. All right, this is Detroit Worldwide. And joining us today is someone that is doing some amazing work in the education and entertainment industry. Our guest on Detroit Worldwide this week is Miss Sankaya Hall. And in this conversation, you're going to learn about everything that she is doing. She describes herself as a Jill of all trades. I'm excited to sit down and chop it up with her. She's been a very strong advocate of the work that we're doing here on Detroit Worldwide. So it's always great to connect with a fellow Detroiter. So Sankaya, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. What up, though? What up, though? And thank you for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> well, thank you for being on here. And I mentioned as we dive into everything, you are a Jew of all trades. You've created a hybrid career for yourself. We're excited to learn more about you. And I want to familiarize you with our listening audience. So in order to do so, why don't we begin by telling uh, our listening audience just who you are and all of the amazing work that you currently do? Yeah, what a tough question. (laughs) Well, thank you to everybody listening. As Marquise mentioned, my name is Sankaya Hall, and I am from the east side of Detroit. 
I grew up in the Brewster Projects off Mac and 75. Y'all are familiar. And currently, I serve as a communications professor at Full Sail University here in the Orlando area. And then I also uh, work as a freelance event producer. As mentioned, my current, I guess, space right now is in sports. I am working on some things with the NFL, and I'm very proud and excited about that, particularly with the New York Giants right now. Shout out to the Giants Go Blue. (laughs) Um, And I'm also working on a concert production here in Orlando known as the Central Florida Soul Fest. So if you guys are in Orlando, the show is March 26th and on that bill will be Frankie Beverly and Mays, Tank, K. Michelle, Jacquees, just an outstanding lineup of up-and-coming artists. And so I'm excited. Production is my thing. I got my first official start at BET um, when the headquarters was in Washington, D.C. And from there, my career just kind of took off. You know, I went from BET to then working freelance for MTV and TV One and Google and YouTube and most notably for uh, Shine Diddy Combs, Mr. Combs as we call him. <laughs> Under his enterprise, he has brands like Ciroc and De Leon Tequila, also Sean John Clothing, uh, Revolt TV, and then, as we know, Bad Boy Entertainment. So, Got some really good experience there. Went on tour with them when they did the Bad Boy Reunion Tour. And, you know, through the work with Combs Enterprises, I've been able to work with different music festivals like Essence Fest and Made in America, Rolling Loud. Worked on some things with the Grammys before. Done NBA All-Star, NFL Super Bowl. So a lot a lot of work, you know. So when I'm describing myself and talking about myself, it's, it's hard because I've done so much. But I am blessed to be able to have a hybrid career in both education and entertainment. Sankaya, as you gave that response, I don't think I gave your introduction justice because, my goodness, I looked at your bio that you sent over, but even as you describe the work that you're doing I'm like whoa like you really are a jill of all trades all of that is a great thing because you have been able to work in a variety of fields and it sounds like you've been able to really carve out a name for yourself and we're going to dive deep into what those fields look like and what those mean to you but before we do that i do want to circle back and take it to where it all began the city of detroit i know mm-hmm. you grew up mac in 75 but what did life look like for you growing up in detroit Man, life was a a puzzle. (laughs) It was me, I guess, just even current day, me just trying to figure it out. Not every Detroiter has the same experience, but for me, with me being, again, a first-generation college grad and my parents, um, particularly my mom and my grandmothers, doing the best that they could for what I wanted for my life and the things that I was into I had to figure a lot of stuff out along the way and life in Detroit, it was it was hard. You know, it was hard. I, I, I'm grateful for the city because I felt like it, it taught me hustle. It taught me grit. It taught me grind because that's that's what you have to do. You know, if you want to get anywhere outside of your current circumstance or your current environment, you, you have to work your way out. There are no handouts. Right. And so with me growing up in the Brewsters, I was maybe 10, 20 minutes walking distance from downtown Detroit. And I'm grateful for that because it was nothing to kind of go to Comerica Park or the Lions. What is that? Forest Hill, right? 
just to kind of watch a game and see something different. It was nothing to go down to Hart Plaza for the free festivals, right? To go to Bell Isle or <laughs> Cobo Center, right? And just see those different things and be a part of the city's culture, even when the city wasn't in the best standing, you know, when, when we experienced a recession and the things that had happened during the Kilpatrick administration and all that, right? But we're just such a strong city and a city that's just full of grit and grind. And my experience growing up was that. It was a representation of that and that. Nothing was given to us. We had to work hard for everything, but it's also love in the city and it's authenticity in the city. And I walk around with that as part of me every single day. And I couldn't be more prouder. Now, as a follow-up question to that, I am curious to know, who are some of your heroes and sheroes coming up? And what advice did you receive from them? Ooh, such a great question. Man, I would say one of my sheroes for sure. I have a couple, but they're mainly my family members. My great-grandmother, Mrs. Dorothy Hall, rest her soul. My grandmother who's currently living, uh, Sandra Gardner, and my mother, Lysandra Hall, they have contributed to my success then and now so much. And they were all, you know, kind of single moms, right? And they raised uh, an entire family with little to no resources. So to see that firsthand and to see the strength in each of them and them being able to make a way out of no way, and that just kind of being the norm, you know, when things came up and there were some times where my mom just said, hey, we may not have a Christmas this year. And just being able to grapple with that as a kid. But then Christmas Day came and we still had a Christmas. Right. <laughs> so I, I loved how authentic they were, how honest they were about the challenges that we were facing as a family, but then also just seeing them make a way. And so with that, I, again, I live with that spirit in me as well. And I'm, I'm just so proud to come from a family of such strong women. And in addition to those three of you know my loved ones, I would say my teachers. My teachers within DPS, <laughs> male and female. I went to Ferry Elementary for elementary school, obviously, Spain Middle School, and then also Cass Tech and then Westside Academy. And at each of those schools, I've had a role model in some way, shape or form who just helped transform my life and who believed in me and who still support me to this day. And so with that, I would say those, those are my heroes and sheroes. And I'm just always just so grateful for each and every one of them. Now, as you mentioned those heroes and sheroes, what's the best piece of advice that you received from them? Like if you had to think of one thing. Oh, good one. Sorry, I missed that before. Oh, the best piece of advice. My grandmother always say, just live your life. It's your life. And I, I think I've done a pretty good job of that, of just making decisions that are for me and for no one else. And she's she's always just kind of like, I just want to see you happy. Live your life, whatever that looks like. You know, whether it's a right decision, wrong decision, nobody can determine that but you. Live your life. And so I, I would say that's the best piece of advice that I've received so far. <laughs> now, in 2007, you arrived at Houston, Texas to attend Texas Southern University, which for those who do not know, it is an HBCU. So my question is to you, what led you to Texas Southern and what goals did you set out to accomplish when you arrived? Man, oh, it seemed like it was so long ago, but not really. <laughs> 
What led me to Texas Southern, shout out to my Tigers, my fellow maroon and gray Tigers, opportunity. If I can be honest, it was just the opportunity to start a new life and to see something different. When I left Detroit in 2007, I was 19 years old. So traditionally, people will leave the city, you know, at 18, 17, go off to college. But I stayed in Detroit just not really knowing. I didn't really have direction. I graduated with a 3.8 GPA. <laughs> I didn't want to go to college. I wanted to work in the plants. If you're from Detroit, you know it is a dream to work at Chrysler GM Ford, right? And so that was <laughs> that was my goal. That's what I wanted to do. And things didn't really pan out that way. So I graduated high school in 2005. So you know, economy was trash. And I was like, man, what am I going to do? <laughs> and so to make a long story short, there was a lot of terrible things happening during that time. A lot of just hardships that I was experiencing. I actually got into some legal trouble, which was, you know, life-changing as well. But just a lot of people around me were passing away. Or if I can be honest, they were getting killed. You know, um, homeboys, homegirls, it really didn't matter. The city, I felt like, was on fire. And I just so desperately wanted to get away. And by the grace of God, I have my aunt and uncle, they went to Prairie View A&M in Houston or Prairie View, Texas, but near Houston. And they're both from Detroit. And they really encouraged me. You know, they were like, hey, we, we know that you can do better. We know, we, we know that you're, you have what it takes. You just have to want it for yourself. And so make a long story short, I went down to Houston for a visit, took a tour of a couple of schools, got to TSU and was just amazed. I was like, this is it. <laughs> this is it. This is where I want to be. This is where I can have a fresh start. And so when you talk about goals, I really didn't have a goal. I just simply wanted to survive. When I was in Detroit, I did try college. I went to Wayne State University my first year, tried to do engineering as my major, flunked out. Then I had a fresh start at WC3, or Wayne County Community College, for those of you who are not familiar. <laughs> and yeah, went to WC3, did well there. And what was actually life-changing there was I had a professor. She was a communications professor, Dr. Kim Logan. She's listening to this. And I remember her pulling me aside and was telling me how special I was. And she was like, you don't belong here. She said, you don't belong here. And she's like, you got to get out of here. And when she said, you got to get out of here, I didn't know she was talking about the college or Detroit. And I just took it as both. And I was like, boom, I'm done. You know, I'm, I'm going to go to TSU and I'm going to just start over. And so when I got there, I majored in communications and my life has just never been the same since. And so, you know, from there, I didn't really have a goal. I just want my goal was to get out of Detroit. Wow. And before I ask this next question, I have to give a shout out to Dr. Logan for giving you that spark and seeing something in you because oftentimes we don't realize the power of someone speaking life into us. Yep, Same absolutely. thing happened to me and it sounds like it happened to you as well and allowed you to do the work that you're doing now. But I had to pause for a second to give a shout out to her as you did as well. And as I transition to the next question, I have to ask you, what did it mean to attend an HBCU as a first-generation student coming from the east side of Detroit? Man, it meant everything. 
I got there and I was like, these are my people. Because <laughs> even when I was at Wayne State, it was in the city. Like Wayne State was a couple of minutes away from the Brewsters, you know, where I grew up. And you would think it would be more of the same, but it wasn't. And when I got to Texas Southern, I just felt like I was at home, you know. And um, I, I think around that time, the movie, what was it, Stump the Yard had came out and ATL had came out. And so there was this plethora of HBCU representation and Black college representation in the media. And so I was like, man, like that would be dope. But in my mind, I'm like, you know, no school is going to accept me. I'm two years out. You know, I'm not knowing, again, a first generation student. I'm not knowing how this whole thing works. And so I just never thought that I would be able to go to an HBCU and actually excel. And like I said, if it wasn't for my aunt and uncle kind of just showing me the ropes and saying, hey, you can do this, who knows where I would be. But Texas Southern was life-changing, just the HBCU culture, the pride, the history, right? Just the self-confidence that's instilled in you at these institutions is so important, especially as you go on to graduate and you go into corporate America or you just go out into the world. I don't think that I've been able to even handle things in my career, different things that I've been faced with. I don't think I've been would have been able to persevere in that regard had it not been for the foundation that Texas Southern set for me. So you complete your degree in speech communication at Texas Southern and you travel east to Washington, D.C. to pursue a graduate degree mm-hmm. at Georgetown University. Talk to me about that experience transitioning from Houston to D.C., but most importantly, the transition from an HBCU to a predominantly white institution. Man, what a transition it was. I feel like I always had a story with something. (laughs) And so what's funny is I was so pro HBCU. When I moved to D.C., it was to go to Howard. I really wanted to go to Howard University. You know, if you're in HBCU culture, it's like Howard is the Harvard of HBCUs, right? And so I had gotten accepted to their Master of Arts program in Communication Studies. And I moved all the way to D.C. I had, a, you know, a roommate and all of that. And a week before school starts, I hadn't registered for classes. So I reached out to the dean and I said, hey, you know, how can I register? And she's like, um, you didn't get our letter? And I'm like, what letter? She's like, oh, we discontinued the program because of funding. This is not. And I'm like, what do you mean you discontinued? <laughs> I'm like, I've moved my whole life here to go to Howard and to go to this program. And so to make a long story short, they essentially gave me the option because I had been accepted to the university. They gave me the option to enroll in a different program. And so I chose school counseling. Just, again, my love for education. I'm like, oh, maybe this is my chance to go into education. So I did a semester at Howard, met some amazing people, but it wasn't a good fit. After that, I started just working. You know, I just focused on working for the next year or two. And then I had a friend. She's also from Detroit, Eastside. Uh, Her name is Erica Wright. And Erica was finishing up her master's program at Georgetown. And she was the one that encouraged me to apply. And because in my mind, Georgetown is you know, almost up there with Princeton and Harvard, I didn't, I didn't think that I would get in. And that's the importance of having good people around you and people who believe in you. But she was like, just apply, just start there. Like, don't worry about the outcome, just apply. And I applied and got in. And I was like, okay, this is happening. (laughs) So um, to answer your question, when I got to Georgetown, it was a culture shock. Again, coming from Detroit, which is predominantly black, and then going to 
an HBCU, it was different to be around people who didn't look like you, who didn't have the same background as you, who couldn't relate to some of the same issues that you were passionate about. And it was challenging. But again, just like anything else in my life, I feel like it prepared me for the real world and that I had to learn how to work with people from different backgrounds. I had to learn how to work with people who didn't want to work with me without even knowing me, just based on the color of my skin, right? And how to navigate that and still show up as my best self. And I think while at Texas Southern, that was a message that was continuously taught to us and that no matter what room you walk in, know that you are just as great. Know that you are just as capable. Know that you are just as smart. And because of that messaging and because of that foundation, I was able to you know, go to Georgetown and still thrive just as much as I did at TSU. But again, it, it prepared me for the real world in that, you know, when, when working in corporate America or working with the NFL, for example, the NFL is, if I can say it, it's a white boys club. Right. And so in that space, being if not the only black person, being the only female at the table and just the opposition that comes with that, along with the great opportunity to make a difference, there's still opposition that you face. And my time at Georgetown kind of introduced me to that. And so even though it wasn't the HBCU experience that I was used to, my experience at Georgetown still served a purpose. So during your time in D.C., you landed your first official gig in the entertainment world. So tell us more about this time and what you were able to learn about yourself. Yeah. So as you mentioned, while in D.C., I had an opportunity to work as a production assistant for BET. At the time, BET headquarters was still there, but they weren't necessarily filming all of their shows. Most of everything was still in New York. But they were filming Bobby Jones Gospel. And what's funny is, or also heartwarming, is the person who brought me on, she's actually from Flint. Her name is Natasha Legrone. Shout out to Natasha. <laughs> we met at a conference in undergrad, and we were when we were at that conference, we both said we wanted to be in D.C. So we're both in the city, and she was actually interning with BET. And she asked me, like, hey, because I was kind of doing some freelance photography. That's another talent that I have. <laughs> So I was doing, I was taking pictures of uh, different concerts that were coming to D.C. And this particular time I had shot a show with Brandy, Brandy Norwood. And I posted on Facebook, shout out to social media and the power of that, right? So I posted some pictures on on Facebook and was like, you know, I had the, the privilege and the honor to shoot Brandy, et cetera, et cetera. So Natasha, she hits me up like, hey, what were you doing there? She's like, sometimes we need help at BET. You know, if, if, if we needed some people, would you be open? And one of the things that we talked about offline is that I'm always saying yes to stuff. And, and saying yes has led to some amazing opportunities and also some not so amazing opportunities, right? <laughs> but more than likely, I'm, I'm going to say yes to something. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts that I have is just having the courage to say yes. And so Natasha called me up one day and she said, hey, we're short on staff. Would you, you know, be willing to come by to volunteer? So keep in mind, it wasn't paid. And that's what I tell people all the time. When you're getting started in entertainment specifically, you're not going to come out making a million bucks off top. You know, you'd be lucky if you get a free meal out of it. Right. <laughs> and so that one day of just volunteering with BET led to me being a production assistant officially. And then that led to me being a paid production assistant. Right. And then <laughs> that experience at Bobby Jones Gospel then led to me working on 106 and Park at the time. And that was being filmed in New York. 
So just the grit and the hustle, I had to fund my own way to New York because it's about four hours between D.C. and NY. And so, you know, people would invite me and say, hey, we're filming 106 in part. Would you be willing to come up and help us out with a couple of shows? Cool. Which days? What time? What You know, when I need to be there. So just that hustle just for the experience itself, not knowing where it was going to lead. And so that's pretty much how my career in entertainment pretty much like just 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 kind of happened it was just working on something making good relationships and then being invited to work on another thing so after BET I then went on to work with something for TV One that led to something with Google and that led to something with YouTube and all of that eventually led to something with working with Diddy and his enterprises and the brands that he has under him and there's and I, and I want to say this I'm kind of short telling the short version of this story but there have been so many people to help me along the way so many people who just believed in me former managers in the entertainment space who just just love me just love me for being me and being just so supportive of my growth even when I didn't know what I wanted to do and I just think that's so important I there's nothing that I've done in life that I've done alone and so that's pretty much, I, I, I forget the original <laughs> question that you asked, but I hope I answered it. I think you hit on all the important points, but what I'm hearing from you is that when opportunity knocks, don't be afraid mm-hmm. to answer the door, but most importantly, that you didn't do this work alone. Nope, not at all. And I'll always give credit. <laughs> always. Relationships are important to me. And a lot of times people put effort into romantic relationships. I think friendships and professional relationships are just as important. You just never know. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. Now, over the years, you have simultaneously worked in both education and entertainment. And from this, you've been able to create a hybrid career. So that said... What's allowed you to tap into both passions and what advice would you give to people who want to explore their passion outside of their primary Mm -hmm. field or career? Yeah, good question, man. I would say there's probably there's three things, three things that have really allowed me. One, I would say is courage, just having the courage to just try something new, having the flexibility flexibility, meaning when something comes to you that you are not quite familiar with, maybe you don't have experience. And I guess that aligns with courage a little bit in that you're just trying something new, but also being flexible in what you perceive to be a good opportunity or what you perceive your dream life to be and just being flexible and in, in saying yes. And then the third piece I would say is networking I and mean, not Hey, can I have your business card? Hey, let's link up and work and let's have coffee. Not that kind of networking, (laughs) but just, you know, making genuine relationships in the spaces that you want to be in and not being afraid to ask for advice, not being afraid to reach out and be humble and saying, I want to do this work and I don't know where to start. And so um, I think with those three things at play, I've been able to kind of explore that I mean, I'm, I'm super grateful because I know it's not something that everybody is, is allowed or even thought to do. For someone who wants to explore passions outside of their primary work function, I would say as simple as it sounds, I would say just try it. Just try. And I know this, this may sound crazy, but don't worry about it. The money will come. I think a lot of times that's the focus. It's like, oh, if I'm not getting paid, I'm not going to do it. 
well, no experience in this area. <laughs> Why would somebody just willingly want to pay you outright $10,000 for a service that they don't even know that you can do well? Right. So sometimes it's just a matter of trying. And I'm not even I mean, me working in entertainment is definitely something on a bigger scale and working with all these companies and all these clients. But it could be something as simple as, you know, you wanting to go into remodeling homes as a side project or something that you want to have passive income with. And it's like, yeah, you're not going to be on HGTV tomorrow. But why don't you just start with that house that's barely standing on the corner on the west side of Detroit, you know, on Dexter and Livinois or whatever, right? <laughs> so just kind of starting small or just starting with a project in your house or somebody else's house. And so my point is saying that a little bit off the rails, but my point is saying that is just try, just start somewhere and just kind of see where it goes. And again, going back to the networking piece, don't be afraid to reach out to someone who is doing what you want to do. I love that advice. And I love the fact that you've been able to really take initiative and create this sort of hybrid career for yourself and, you know, dub yourself as a Jill of all trades. Now, earlier you mentioned the work that you're doing with the New York Giants, which you connected with them in the fall of 2021. Mm -hmm. Talk to us more about that work and what's been the most rewarding part in working in the NFL. Yeah, so that opportunity kind of came out of the blue for me. I was here in Orlando teaching at Full Sail, and I loved my job. I loved living in Florida. And so when the opportunity came up to work with the Giants, a fellow Detroiter, actually, Dion Dargin is the director of communications there. Him and I were having a conversation, and he kind of brought it to my attention. Like, you know, you know this is a space where you can come in and do your thing. Because previously, my work experience was primarily in TV production and in music event marketing. And so with that, it's entertainment, but sports is a little different. I feel like sports is in a league of its own a lot of times. And in my mind, I'm like, really? <laughs> I can do this? Oh, you're right. It can translate. And so to that end, the work that I do with the New York Giants is um, it's an events production position in that Anything outside of the team playing football that's entertainment related, we kind of, me and my team, we kind of handle the logistics of. So if you go to a sports game, whether it's basketball, football, or baseball, of course you have the players playing whatever respective game it is, but then you also have the entertainment pieces, whether it's the national anthem in the beginning, the halftime show, player meet and greets, fan contests presented by sponsors such as Pepsi, tortillas, or Dunkin' Donuts, or whatever, right? Anything that entertains you outside of the game itself, that's what my team does. And a lot of that is basically logistics, you know, making sure that things are flowing from A to Z. Um, a lot of event planning that goes into that and just making sure that fans are having a good time. That is our primary focus, making sure that when people are walking away from MetLife Stadium, they are like, yeah, the Giants didn't do too well today, <laughs> but we had a good time. But, you know, I received this free T-shirt, but, you know, I was able to meet Eli Manning and whatnot. And so I really enjoy that work. And as my friend Dion said, like, it's very transferable because if you think about my career in the music industry and the things that I did with Diddy, it was pretty much the same thing. When working on the Bad Boy Tour, a lot of my work was just making sure that people at the concerts were having a good time, even before the artists hit the stage. And so it, it kind of translates and transfers really well over into sports. So I've enjoyed it. 
now saying, Kaya, we are heading into the home stretch and we are now approaching one of my favorite segments on the podcast, which is about music. And everybody who comes on Detroit Worldwide, I ask them this following question. If they had to identify a song in their opinion that best represents Detroit, what would that song be? I know you've listened to the podcast. You probably heard some songs. So I am curious to hear which ones you have chosen. So hit me. Oh, such a man, such a crazy question. It was hard, man. This is hard. The way that I thought about it was a song, when I hear it, it reminds me of Detroit. And I would say, and I know this is kind of tricky, but any Anita Baker song reminds me of Detroit. <laughs> My favorite is Caught Up in the Rapture. <laughs> and the reason that reminds me of it, because I grew up listening to Mix 92.3. I still listen to it on my Echo. And they, it's just, it just reminds me of home, her voice, just that sound, that just pure R&B sound and the sound of love. Another song is The Art of Noise, that dun, dun, you know that whole thing <laughs> and then Detroit mixes I know I'm I'm kind of going completely off the grid because you said one song and here I am naming three and four <laughs> but the um the mixes the Friday night mixes that you were here on the radio and I say this song percolator because a lot of the newer artists are kind of remaking that and I don't know if the artist was from Detroit but when I hear it's time for the percolator I think of Detroit radio I think of you know that Friday night or that Saturday night mix of them being live from the River Rock you know or something like that so yeah those those are I would say if I had to choose one it would definitely be Anita Baker caught up in the rapture so what do you have going on next? I know that you are currently pursuing your doctoral degree. I know that you're back in Orlando. You're also teaching. But what's on the horizon? How can we as a community support the work that you're doing? Yeah, man, I, I literally just got back to Orlando last week. So, um, man, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier on in the in the show and that I'm working on this Central Florida Soul Festival. It is the first festival of this kind in Orlando and again we have on the bill Frankie Beverly and Mays who I used to see in Detroit all the time even as a kid right Frankie Beverly K. Michelle Jaquise Tank and then some local artists who are going to be on the bill I have some people from both Detroit and my people in Houston um, some of my sorority sisters shout out to my sorors of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority <laughs> Incorporated <laughs> I have some people kind of coming into town the show is March 26th and so any support that I can get from that would be amazing especially with it being the first one a little nervous because you know the first is always the, the most nerve-wracking so really excited about that I'm still working on some things with the Giants um in April the NFL will have its draft so I'm going to go back up to New York and help with some production there looking forward to working with the Giants again next fall while still working in Orlando so kind of just going back and forth and Man, like you said, my doctoral program starts up again. I took a break, but I'm going to start back up again in, in the fall. So I have, I have, I'm quite busy, man. And I'm just, I'm grateful for it all. My heart is full to just literally be able to do all that my heart has desired. I am very grateful, just, just grateful and thankful to God that he's allowed me to just even have the spirit of, like I said, courage to just pursue and say yes to things that may not be as pretty or may not be as glorious. 
on the surface, you know, to, to really, because sometimes people say that they want to do this work and they want to work in entertainment, but they don't really know what it takes. They don't really know the, the late nights and the early mornings and the sacrifices, the financial sacrifices, because again, starting out, you don't get paid a whole lot, right? And so just being able to even walk in these doors, coming from where I come from, it's amazing. And I am so blessed to just even do all that I've done in which I just shared with you right now. So if, if anybody, if you can't support any of those things, just continue prayers, continue prayers for my peace, <laughs> my sanity, um, the balance, the, the ability to balance it all. And yeah, just good vibes, man. I, I appreciate you for even having me on the show and being willing to tell my story. This is so special to me. And I just applaud you for all that you doing it in both your professional life, your own professional life, but also what you're doing with the podcast and making sure that our stories are being heard. Oh, I appreciate that. And I'm honored that you joined us. I and mean, I'm sure people want to get in contact with you. So where are you on a social media space if you would like for people to get in touch with you? Yeah, I don't know if people still use Facebook. I think our generation does. <laughs> but I'm on Facebook as Sankaya C. Hall, um, S-A-N-K-A-Y-A. Um, the same username for Instagram and also LinkedIn. Those are the main three platforms. So, yeah, shoot me a shot and I would love to connect. Yeah, for sure. We make sure we get that in the show notes. All right, Sankaya, as we close out, final question I have for you. And that question is simple. What does Detroit mean to you? Man, Detroit, it means everything to me. It means hustle. Of course, we always say that. It means love. It means community. It means culture. I feel like Detroit is the mecca of a lot of culture that we see today and over the years. It's just, it's, it's, it's Motown, right? It's the Motor City. It's the city of the, the players and the pimps, right? <laughs> Um, it's, it's just, it's home. It's home. No matter where I've lived in six, seven different cities at this point, but Detroit will always be home for me. I love it. I love it. Sankaya Seahaw, thank you so much for joining us on Detroit Worldwide. I know that I have been bugging you to get on this podcast to share <laughs> your story, you <laughs> but I wanted to do so in a way to honor the work that you're doing, especially as we transition into Women's History Month, because one thing that we're looking to do is to highlight those stories of women who are doing amazing work in arts and entertainment. I like to think that you are doing that amazing work. I see you on Instagram. I see the work that you're doing. So I wanted to acknowledge that. And as Thank I share you. with you offline, Detroit has so many quiet giants. And I think that yeah. you are one of those quiet giants. So saying all this to say, thank you so much for joining us Aww. on Detroit Worldwide. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. For sure. For sure. Well, on behalf of Sankaya Seahaw, I am Marquise D. Taylor. This is <laughs> Detroit Worldwide, and we will both holler at y'all on the other side. Peace. Cool. Loving what you're hearing? Then feel free to visit our new website where you can listen to previous episodes, explore our Black Business Directory, and also check out other content related to this platform. Head over to DetroitWorldwide.com to learn more. And if you're listening on an Apple device, feel free to subscribe, rate, and review. This platform would not exist without your support. 
I thank you.